Hey, Crossings Podcast community. This teaching is called Things You Know and Don't Know and is the second teaching in our teaching series called Risky Lent. It was taught by Molly Conaway on March 5th, 2023. Thanks for listening. Morning. How are you? Good to see you all. Thanks for being here. Um, Thanks for joining us on this second Sunday in the season known as Lent. We, through this season, are following along with the gospel text in something known as the lectionary. So the text we study today is also being studied by faith communities all over the world today. Uh, The story we are going to study today is a story that happens at night. Out of curiosity, who are my night people? Beth Schoonover's not even here. I know she's like, you like thrive by the light of the moon. Like you stay up late. Who are the night people? You're out there. Yep. Um, Who like me literally turns into like an evil version of yourself the minute it gets late? Okay. Yeah. We we turn bad. Yeah. Um, The season of Lent is a darker, more introspective season. Last week, I think Caleb called it the emo season on the church calendar. Um, So a story told at night is fitting. Here's where we are. John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee. So this is a Jewish teacher of the law, a teacher of law and tradition, named Nicodemus. A leader of the Jews, he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with that person. The story is sometimes called Nick at Night. Um, I realized this week that I don't know as much about Nicodemus as maybe I should. Um, Nicodemus comes back twice in the Gospel of John. The next time we see Nicodemus, he's in the temple with the chief priests, borderline advocating that Jesus be given a fair trial. He comes back again at the very end of John, where, again, at night, he brings burial spices to the tomb where Jesus was laid. Nicodemus is the one who comes to Jesus by night. He hovers over the margins and the shadows, and he follows Jesus from afar. Maybe you identify with the middle of the night, faith in the shadows like that of Nicodemus. And Jesus responds to what Nicodemus has to say, and he responds as if Nicodemus had asked him a question. But Nicodemus never really straight up asked the question, did he? He said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with that person. So I'm curious here, um, and I'm going to have you have a conversation with somebody next to you. What might be the question behind what Nicodemus says here? What do you think that he is actually asking? Okay, I want you to turn to a person next to you or get with a group of three or something. What do you think is the question behind what Nicodemus says to Jesus right off the bat? Turn to someone next to you. What do you think? What are your thoughts? 
What are your thoughts? What do you think that Nicodemus is asking? What do you think the question is? What's up? What else? What do you think? What, what do you think the question is that Nicodemus is actually asking? What? Are you really God? Who are you, actually? Other thoughts? There's no wrong answer here. I'm not even going to repeat that one in the microphone. Who are you? Who are you? And what am I supposed to do now that, that I believe this to be true? Keep going. Here's how Jesus answers. Jesus answers him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Another way to translate this is anew or born again. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Okay, I have five-year-old twins. Um, one day I overheard one of the weird things that they were playing. Um, they were like crying like babies and like pointing to random things in the house, asking like, oh, what is this? Oh, that's a door. What is this? Oh, that's a chair. I asked them what they were doing, and they said they were playing a game called Born Yesterday. Um, <laughs> turns out there is a show called Bluey. Um, it's a great show about a family of us. Oh my goodness, Bluey's getting an applause. Uh, Bluey is a show of Australian dogs, um, and for an entire episode, Bingo, Bluey's dad, plays this game called Born Yesterday, where he like walks around town pretending like he was born yesterday, and his kids like help him navigate life. It's really weird. Um, and to be honest, I sat with this text, this story that we're studying today for a long time this week. It's pretty theologically deep. Uh, it's pretty mysterious, and it's pretty weird. And there were several times I had to walk away from the computer because as deep as I could get was born yesterday from Bluey. Like, that's all I could think about. But for real, I wonder if this born-again language is hard because it's become so cliche and exclusive. Like, if you've grown up in a religious context, maybe especially in the South, you've heard, I mean, have you been born again? Like, wink, wink. Are you born again like us, or aren't you? I mean, it's really weird. I was talking to a friend this week. He said, who hasn't been turned off by this born-again language? If you remove yourself from a religious context and start thinking about the way like, we ask and talk about being born again, it's really weird. And I think it was weird for Nicodemus in the first place. Um, there were times this week when an Australian cartoon dog described it with more clarity than me, to me than some of the commentaries I read. Jesus keeps going. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished. Do not be surprised that I said to you, you must be born from above, or you must be born anew, or again. Um, then my husband tells me I have this face sometimes when I'm like listening and I have no idea what you're talking about. He says, I make it very clear that I like this with this face I make. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. I imagine Nicodemus has a similar face. Like, what is Jesus talking about? We have to acknowledge that this birth metaphor is provocative. Uh, this idea of returning ourselves to the moments we were birthed into the world the idea of entering back into your mother's womb, if it makes you like a little weirded out um, or uncomfortable, you're like tracking with the sentiment of the story. 
We don't know what Jesus means when he talks about being born of water and of spirit. I mean, having a water birth is something totally different these days. Some people think that when you are born of water, he's talking about like actual birth, like amniotic fluids. You have an actual birth and then you have a spiritual birth. Some people think that this is talking about the waters of baptism uh, in which you are baptized into a new life using both water and the spirit. Whatever he means, Jesus tells Nicodemus that he needs to not be so surprised about what he's saying, but it's not making sense to Nicodemus, which is likely frustrating, likely unsettling to somebody who, like Nicodemus who is a teacher. He's an intellectual. He's someone who generally knows and understands things about the religious and spiritual life. I do wonder if it was so hard to understand because what Jesus talking, was talking about had very little to do with understanding, very little to do with knowing. Nicodemus seems to be looking for answers, and Jesus doesn't give answers because he knows more information won't save anybody. He knows that the kingdom of God, and when I talk about kingdom of God here, I'm talking about like here and now, not like pearly gates of heaven. That living into the world the way God intends it to be involves the mind, involves knowing things, sure. But it has more to do with who we are and what life is like when we are born. And when we are born, we are a body. We are a soul or a spirit, whatever word you want to use to describe that. We are conscious, we are aware, we know our needs, and we know very little else. Remember the first thing Nicodemus said when he came to Jesus? He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that comes from God. And Jesus says, actually, you don't know. And the only way I can talk to you about what it means to do this faith thing is to talk about what it means to be born and what it means to be alive and conscious and aware and awake to the world in a new and different way that isn't about knowing all there is to know, about being certain about the rules and about the mind of God, because actually you can't do that. And I imagine... Uh, a gust of wind comes through and flickers the fire or the candle, whatever is sitting between Jesus and Nicodemus, because Jesus continues this way. He says, the wind, or the spirit, blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answers, you are the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Jesus seems to be getting a little bit agitated, doesn't he? Like, Nick, I'm talking about real things in this life. Physical things, tangible things, earthy things, things that come alive because of what God is doing. 
And Nicodemus, if you can't understand that faith is about healing and justice and restoration and beauty and shalom in this life, how are you to remotely understand anything past this life? At the beginning of John's gospel, he says something like, the word became flesh and dwelled among us or moved into the neighborhood. N.T. Wright says, the word became flesh, said John, and the church has turned the flesh back into words, words of good advice, words of comfort, words of wisdom and encouragement, yes, but what changes the world is flesh, words with skin on them, words that hug you and cry with you and play with you and love you and rebuke you and build houses with you and teach your children in school. See, this idea that Jesus is trying to, to talk to Nicodemus about, this late-night chat they're having, doesn't fit into any of the religious categories that Nicodemus is familiar with. He's confused, and he's maybe a little bit disturbed, and maybe a little bit intrigued. His life has been committed to things like obedience to the Torah, about prayer and about sacrifice, about responsibility and about privilege. So Jesus continues by using one of their ancient stories. He says, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. This is a way Christ is referred to in the Gospels. Sometimes you're Son of God, Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And please, please, please try hard to hear this in the context of this late night story, as if it's the first time you've heard it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I don't know why when people put John 3.16 on posters, they don't also talk about snakes being lifted up on a post. I mean, it's really intuitive. <laughs> um, this snakes in the wilderness story would not have been as foreign to Nicodemus. There's this ancient story in the book of Numbers in the Hebrew Bible when God's people were wandering around in the wilderness and they were questioning and speaking out against God and against Moses, like, God, do you even know what you're doing? Uh, and in Numbers, it says that the Lord sent poisonous snakes, poisonous serpents, which killed many of the Israelites. So the people went back to Moses to, for Moses to speak to God and make the snakes go away. So Moses prayed and it says this, it says, and the Lord said to Moses, make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look to it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole, and whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. So just as the serpent was lifted up, so the Son of Man will also be lifted up on a different kind of pole, and those who look toward it will find life. So let's recap. It's the middle of the night. Nicodemus is a teacher, a leader. He knows things about the religious life. And something about who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing had him intrigued enough to make a nighttime appointment. 
And Nicodemus begins this appointment by saying, I know who you are. And then Jesus starts talking about who we are at birth and about the wind and about the spirit and about a snake lifted up, which is a story about life after chaos. And actually, Nick, you don't know. Nobody does. And traditionally, this story has been taught and read as judgment against Nicodemus, that he doesn't have the guts to follow Jesus in the daytime. So he sneaks around at night, trying to keep his faith a secret and compartmentalized. Like, the darkness must be a symbol of his poor soul and his lack of understanding. If Nicodemus knew what he ought to know, Jesus wouldn't have to explain. His unknowing is what prevents him from being born again as he disappears back into the night. That is one fairly straightforward way to interpret this story. But if you listen carefully, I think Jesus might be saying something a little different. That a life of faith is like entering into the world as one does at birth, as a baby, where we know little more than that we are alive. And the wind and the spirit blows here and there, and we hear the sound of it, and we see the effects of it, we get glimpses of holy and divine things. And we participate in this ancient tale where in the wilderness, in the dark, in the death, in the chaos, there is a place to turn our focus that leads to a new and different and hopeful life. And within that life, there are things we know and there are things we don't know. And the issue with Nicodemus is not that he didn't know things, it was that he was so uncomfortable with his lack of knowing things. I'm not that much different. Are healing and miracles possible? How do you see the kingdom of God? How do we know that God hasn't abandoned us? When and where is the spirit present? Who has access to it and who doesn't? What does it mean to be born and born again? How can you be sure that happened and what are the consequences if it didn't? When is it my responsibility to make sure that someone else has done this, and when is that not my job? You know, I, I don't entirely understand what this late-night conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus was about. I think, at minimum, it means that the religious leaders who claim to know or speak for God about things like who is in and who is out don't actually know that and don't get to decide, and that's good news for me. Whether that was good news for Nicodemus, we'll never know. It was good enough news for him to come and advocate for Jesus from afar in the temple courts. It was good enough news for him to return to Jesus and honor his body after death. In the dark, Nicodemus was reminded that he exists in a world where he is alive and aware, and no matter what, he is loved by God. He is loved by the God of all creation. And that is a gift, not just for after death, but for now. And because of that, there is this chance at new life, a hopeful existence, a non-anxious existence, over and over and over and over. It's the way on a random Tuesday, if I am attentive, the wind will blow and a candle will flicker. And for some strange reason, I find myself more alive and awake 
than I was before that moment. Grateful for a life I've been given, intrigued by a God who reminds me that all I know is not all there is, and that the worst thing is never the last thing. And that means something significant for the way I exist in the world now. There's this author, Justin McRoberts, he says this, he says, may the reality that we cannot know the whole truth never keep us from bearing witness to what we can do and see. May the reality that we cannot know the whole truth give us freedom to talk about the part we can see rather than paralyze us. Would you pray with me? God, we want to move through these days that we are given in union with you. So draw our hearts, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations as you did this night with Nicodemus, that we may be more aware and responsive to you, full of your life and love, strength and peace, for your glory and the good of all, including ourselves. <laughs>